0: And some people woke up when they realized what was going on, that there were signs of divine judgment coming on Jesus as he said, Father, forgive them. As he said, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is the claim, here's what you have to do. If you want the result, you have to abide in him and I in you, he says, and the result will be that you bear much fruit for apart from me, says Jesus, you can do what? You can do nothing. These are seven I am statements. The claim, the response, the response, the result. Now think with me. If you don't respond to the claim, you reject Jesus. When he says, I'm the door, you don't enter the door. He says, I'm the bread, you don't eat the spiritual bread. He says, I'm the way, you don't come through him. Then you don't get the result, which in the case is being spiritually satisfied, walking in the light, being on your way to heaven being connected to the vine. If you're not connected to the vine, you cut branches off in your backyard. If they're not connected to the tree, what happens? In a few days, they die. Here's what you have to understand. If you don't respond to the truth, you don't get the result. You don't have life. You don't have the hope of heaven. You you are not gonna experience his resurrection power. This is what modern listeners don't wanna hear, but this is what we need to hear. Jesus is not providing an option. He's saying, I am it, and if you don't come to me, you're not coming at all. And that's what bothers a lot of modern people because they say something like this. Don't all roads lead to God? Isn't it just about being sincere? Isn't it just about if it's your truth, then it must be true? Well, I think Jesus would beg to differ. And let's look at the evidence, right? It doesn't do anybody any good if we play games with statements that are very exclusive, but are so exhilarating because he has made a way, amen? He has provided it. He has come into our world. He is the great I Am. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But if we don't respond to him, then we're not gonna experience the life that he promises. Now the one we're focusing on is John eight fifty eight for this morning. And I would love to go through all this dialogue because it's just so good. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to pick my spots here as we go through this. But what leads up to this is a record of a conflict that Jesus has with the Jewish religious leadership that begins in John eight twenty one. So we're gonna focus the rest of our time right here. And let's take a look together as we take a look at the, uh, the back and forth that goes on in the conflict, and here's how it starts out. So this is John 8:21. Then Jesus said, "Therefore again to them, to the Jewish religious leadership, "I go away, and you shall seek me and shall die in your sin, or under the curse of your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come." Now, in John eight twenty four, 24, peek ahead, and we'll, we'll look at this in a minute. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you will what? Die in your sin. So you can see the repetition from verse 21 to 24. You've got to believe or you will die in your sin. To die in your sin means this. There's a, there's a word for forgiveness in Greek, and when you study the word for forgive, it actually means to send away. So you can think of the uh, Day of Atonement when they would, the high priest would confess the sins of the nation and they would send a scapegoat away and he would, he would be led off into the wilderness. And symbolically, when the high priest confessed the sins of the nation of Israel, the scapegoat would be carrying the sins of the nation. So he became like a picture of forgiveness in, that, in this sense, The confession is made and the sins are carried away. That's what the word forgive means. It means that it's no longer on you. Your sins have been carried off of you. They've been carried away. That's what it means to forgive. You you get rid of it, you put it away from you. Well, Jesus says, if you don't believe that I am who I claim to be, and we're gonna see that he's claiming to be God himself, you're going to die in your sins. Now, those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. And just a, a word of encouragement for those of you who are regularly witnessing, when somebody says to you, that's just your opinion, say, no, it's not. That's actually what Jesus said. So your argument is with Jesus. If you have an issue with what he said, I understand. And some of these are radical, exclusive claims. But please know, I'm just quoting the Bible to you. This is what Jesus said. And I think it would be good for modern Listeners and modern people who are just on our planet to hear what he said and then they can weigh it and see if they wanna believe it, right? And you do have free will, you do have that option. And so to die in your sin goes back to the idea of the book of Ezekiel. The watchman's on the wall, he is to warn them with a trumpet blast, you can write down Ezekiel 3.18. And if the person responds to the trumpet, Um, the sin is no longer on them, or if you're the one blowing the trumpet, you're not responsible for them because you blew the warning blast. So this is the idea. Jesus is using language that if you believe that I am who I claim to be, then your sin will be removed and sent away from you. You'll be forgiven. But if you don't believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sin. What does that mean? That means that you will die with it still there instead of being sent away. Everybody with me? You'll have to deal with the sin still being on you instead of on the ultimate scapegoat who is Jesus. See, when Jesus died on the cross, there was a divine transaction. Your sin, if you're in Christ, went to him and uh, his righteousness goes to you. That's the great exchange of the cross. But if you don't participate in that exchange, then your sin doesn't go to him, even though he died for it, he died for everybody, but you don't receive the gift, so your sin is not, uh, he doesn't pay for it on the cross, it remains on you and you die in it. And so to die in your sin means what? It means you have to face Almighty God still cloaked in your sinfulness. Now think of, just for a moment, and I don't want to bum you out. This is a Christmas season, Pastor Michael, come on. All right, here we go. Just think for a moment, just, just one, one moment. Think of how many sins you've committed over your lifetime. All right, and I'm talking about actions, words, things that you failed to do, things that you thought, oh, God help me, and then, and then things that even your motivation was wrong. So like five different categories, right? Now, all I got to do is start thinking for about a second. For me personally, and I'm like, Rut row <laughs> To use a Scooby-Doo expression, "Ro raggedy." <laughs> I need help. If I die in just one of my sins, I'm in trouble, but I got more than one, and I would venture to say you do too. And so if your sin is not dealt with, you die in it. What does that mean? You have to stand before Almighty God, and the Bible says that he is a consuming fire, and he dwells in unapproachable light. Moses at the burning bush didn't even want to look. People who encountered him in the Old Testament said, I don't want to look at him, he's too holy. I can't even live in his presence. You see, this is the reality of sin. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why he came. He came to save you and me. To save us from what? From our sin, from judgment. Now the Jews responded to the claim and they said, verse 22, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Now Jesus was going back to where he came from, which was heaven. He was sent by the Father to the earth. And Jesus is saying, you can't come there because I'm going to heaven and since you won't receive me, you're not gonna be able to end up there. You won't enter the place that I've prepared for my followers. But notice how they They don't think about themselves, they think about him. They said, oh, well, if he's going somewhere where we can't come, that must mean that he's gonna commit suicide. What? Yeah, because in the Jewish mind, to commit suicide meant you were consigned to the darkest and worst place in hell. Now, please hear me. That is not what the Bible teaches. But that's what the Jewish thought was of the day you commit that kind of sin of self-murder, you end up in the darkest, worst place. Now get this. That's the one place they thought they could never end up. So they said, well, if he's going somewhere where we can't come, he must be committing suicide or thinking about it because he's going to end up in the darkest and worst place of hell and we could never end up there because we're sons of Abraham, we're Jewish, and we're religious. Uh Uh-oh. Actually, Jesus taught in Luke Luke 16 that you can end up there even if you're a son of Abraham. But they thought, well, no, Abraham guards the gate and anybody who has the right, you know, uh, ancestry and everybody, you know, you have the right paperwork, you're good. No, you're not. You must receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But that's what they thought. He must be going to commit suicide. Ray Comfort was speaking at a local church and he was about to come in and speak Young man was sitting outside. And, uh, how you doing, Ray, said to the young man. The young man said, ah, oh, I, I didn't, I didn't wanna be here. The only reason I come to this place talking about church is because my parents make You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first. Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birthday? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Do Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas, and if so, How? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Well, if he's going somewhere where we can't come, that must mean that he's going to commit suicide. What? Yeah, because in the Jewish mind, to commit suicide meant you were consigned to the darkest and worst place in hell. Now, please hear me. That is not what the Bible teaches. But that's what the Jewish thought was of the day. You commit that kind of sin of self-murder, you end up in the darkest, worst place. Now, get this. That's the one place they thought they could never end up. So they said, well, if he's going somewhere where we can't come, he must be committing suicide or thinking about it because he's gonna end up in the darkest and worst place of hell and we could never end up there because we're sons of Abraham, we're Jewish, and we're religious. Uh Uh-oh. Actually, Jesus taught in Luke 16 that you can end up there even if you're a son of Abraham, but they thought, well, no, Abraham guards the gate, and anybody who has the right, you know, Uh, ancestry and everybody, you know, you have the right paperwork, you're good. No, you're not. You must receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But that's what they thought. He must be going to commit suicide. Ray Comfort was speaking at a local church and he was about to come in and speak. Young man was sitting outside. And uh, how you doing, Ray, said to the young man. The young man said, I I didn't want to be here. The only reason I come to this place, talking about church, is because my parents make me. The young man went on to describe how he was suicidal and uh, was considering taking his life, sitting right outside the church building on the church grounds. So Ray said, would you please pray for this young man? Because I had a chance to witness to him and tell him about the good news of Jesus. Ray went on to say uh, a phenomenon in the last couple years is a, A Netflix series called 13 Reasons. You heard about it? In the movie, the heroine of the movie, a young teenage girl, records on video, uh, on uh, audio cassettes actually, her 13 reasons why she's going to commit suicide. Each of them are connected to a person. So she says, this teacher did me wrong. This counselor wasn't there for me. This friend did me wrong. This, this young man date raped me. And she goes through her reasons. And, and in the drama of it all, her reasons are quite significant and painful. And you, you kind of, as you watch it, and I did watch it because I wanted to see what people were watching. Um, she, she's someone that kind of captivates you. The whole storyline can captivate you. But at the end, she, she becomes a, the hero of the story in this sense that she goes into the bathtub, but before she goes into the bathtub to kill herself, she basically uh, gives the audio cassettes out to basically give it to him. Like right before I kill myself, I want you to know that you're one of the reasons. You're one of the 13. And then she's in the bathtub in this awful scene. She takes razor blades and cuts up her arms and it is so graphic and so terrible to watch, it'll take your breath away. After that, uh, I heard Ray say that two young teenage girls committed suicide a few days after watching that series, I think up in the Bay Area. And that was the problem with the movie is that they kind of glorified her actions. This is never the answer. And I've gone on this little rabbit trail maybe because some of you have wrestled with this before, or maybe because you know someone who is in a dire situation. But let me just say this to you, Jesus was not talking about committing suicide. No way. But that's what they concluded. That's what they thought he was saying, because they couldn't imagine that they could be under the judgment of God. You see, there are many people that think, if I just get out of the world, if I just get out of here, then, all the pain will go away, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches the pain goes away when you meet the one who is your healer. Jehovah Rapha, if we could put it that way. And so they were mistaken. Jesus said, you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, part of the world system, evil world system. I am not of this world. You've got it wrong, fellas. I'm going back to heaven. I'm not going to be consigned to the deepest part of hell. You are gravely mistaken. In fact, I am the king of heaven. And you're going to bask in this light for a little while longer. Make sure you respond to it. You see the gravity of what's going on? They're talking to God in the flesh. And they were so cavalier and so blinded by their own sin. And then Jesus said, therefore I say to you that you shall die in your sins for unless you believe that I am, he is, trans, is uh, added by the translators. So it's italicized or it's in parentheses in your versions, I believe. He says, unless you believe that I am, please note that we'll come back to that designation. You will what? You will die without your sins being sent away from you. Unless you believe that I am who I claim to be. Now in Greek, I am is a phrase ego eimi. We'll dig that out in detail a little bit more. But that is what God said to Moses when Moses said, when I go to the children of Israel and uh, they ask me, who is it that sent me? and they ask for your name, what should I say your name is? This is Exodus three. And God responds, tell them I am. Now can you imagine a human being making a claim like that? There are people who read the New Testament and say, Jesus never claimed to be God. Yes, he did. Right here, he is making a claim to be the eternal God who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. And he says, unless you believe that I am the eternal God, you will die in your sins. Leon Morris, great commentator on the Bible, talks about how this envisages such a high view of Christ that it's hard to imagine that anyone could take this any other way than Jesus being God. He claims to be the eternal God Josh McDowell wrote a book called More Than a Carpenter. He is much more than a carpenter. Get this. Several years ago, Dr. Gordon A. Alles, a noted chemist and the man who pioneered the development of insulin for the treatment of diabetes, died of that very disease. His friends who were closest to him came to one of two conclusions either he did not know he had the disease, or he purposely neglected to use the remedy. What irony. The man who knew more about the cure for diabetes than anyone else in the world died of that disease. I do not know, says R. Kent Hughes, what the truth of the matter was, but if allies knew his condition, the situation was even more tragic. In the same way a person can know that Christ is the I am, he can give all of his mind to that, but unless there comes a belief that involves receiving the cure, he will die in his sins. Isn't it ironic? The, the person who figured out the disease and the cure didn't give it to himself. And there are people who can sit in churches their whole lives and never truly realize who Jesus is and never come to him for the cure. God forbid that that would happen. But do you think it happens? I'd say yes. Some years ago, we had a couple who was attending the fellowship, and they had invited a woman who was a Jehovah's Witness to our fellowship. She sat in the back row. She snuck in on a Wednesday night, and she listened to the gospel presentation, and she opened her heart to Christ. Uh, Those who had invited her heard her praying the sinner's prayer along with me, and uh, she was saved Uh, A week later, I got a report that that young woman in her 20s, a Jehovah's Witness, died in a tragic car accident that week. And the week before, two Christian people invited her to a church service, probably overcoming fear and hoping she would respond. She opens her heart on the back row of our little church and then dies in a car accident the next week. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus making claims that have to do with life and death kind of stuff. And so they respond and they say, well, who are you? Jesus said, what I've been saying to you from the, the beginning. What do you mean? That wasn't clear enough that I just said I am? That I just said, unless you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins? Well, who are you? Oh, we need a little bit more. Do I need to open the eyes of another blind person or unstop the ears of another deaf person or cast out another demon or hush the sea again for you to believe? Oh, later I'll call Lazarus out of the grave, but you won't believe even when I do that. So Jesus says, I have many things to speak to judge concerning you, but he who sent me, that's the Father, is true. The things which I heard from him, these things I speak to the world. They did not realize that he'd been speaking to them about the father. When he said, he sent me, they they didn't get it. Maybe they thought of a human father or I don't know. Jesus 28, therefore said, when you lift up the son of man, primarily the reference there is the cross. Then you will know that, what? I am he and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the father taught me. When you lift me up on the cross, you'll get it. Do you remember when Jesus died on the cross? The centurion said, certainly this man was the son of God. Do you remember the cataclysmic things that happened? It was dark at noontime from noon to three. The earth shook. The tombs broke open. There was some radical stuff going on. A whole lot of shaking going on. (laughs) And some people woke up when they realized what was going on, that there were signs of divine judgment coming on Jesus as he said, Father, forgive them. As he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he struggles with the agony of the cross. Now, When he spoke these things, look at verse 30, there were many who came to believe in him. That's great news. Many, but not all. You know, all of life really comes down to this. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in who he says he is? He made some radical claims, but he is our hope and he is the way to heaven. I pray that you know him. I hope as you continue to listen to Walk in Truth, you will better understand why Jesus is the great I am, why Jesus is God in human flesh. I encourage you to listen next time to hear the conclusion of this very important message. Invite some friends who may not know Christ to listen in. And we'll talk to you next time on Walk in Truth. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.